This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. I need to tell you that this morning's message um, necessitates me to go just a little bit below the surface of what I typically preach. And so it's going to be um, really necessary for you to pay very, very close attention. And I pray that you'll be blessed. We're preaching out of Ephesians chapter 6, and we're talking about fortifying your, the family uh, with the whole armor of God. And uh, because this is our last sermon in the series, I do want to start reading in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse number 10, and I want to go down through verse number 17. And uh, I will say once again, as I have said in all of these sermons thus far, that in order to understand what Paul is talking about in verse 10 when he uses the word finally, because he has a great exhortation, has a great message for us in chapter 5. And uh, it's imperative to understand that, what he's talking about also in verse number 8 of chapter 6. But I'm going to go to verse 10, and I want you to stick with me. Pay very close attention. Have something to write with. I'm going to give you extra things that your your bulletin does not contain, and I hope that you'll get this today. It'll bless your heart. All right, let's begin in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You have to remember that we're nothing on our own. Jesus said in John 15, without me, you can do nothing. So we're nothing on our own. And it's not by our might, nor by our power, but by the Spirit, saith the Lord. So this strength that we're talking about, be strong in the Lord, is God's strength. It's not ours. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Some of it will not do what you need it to do. You have to have all of it. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And you better believe that The demon world is real. Don't ever ever feel for one moment that that's just uh, some type of uh, spiritual scare tactic in the word of God. Believe me, the devil is just as real as God. And his fallen angels are just as real as Gabriel and Michael. So listen very carefully. Verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and every one of us will have an evil day. All of us will have many evil days when Satan comes against us many, many days. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and with having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Last Sunday we talked about in verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation, and this morning we conclude with, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Don't lose me in this message today. Stay with me. Now, again, this is going to be a message that you're going to have to pay very close attention to 
And, and I will say this, that we're going to probably be using more scripture in today's sermon than we have in all of the other sermons combined. That's why it's imperative that you stay with me and you don't lose what we're talking about. In this last sermon, in this series, where we're talking about fortifying your whole family using the whole armor of God, most of the armor thus far, if you're with me now, has been dealing with the defensive protection and spiritual warfare. All of this right down through the beginning of verse number 17. And obviously, the defensive armor is used to fight off the attacks of Satan. That's why God has given them to us. That's the purpose of it. And we should all thank God that he's given us a means to defend ourselves against the devil. I will tell you, there's a lot of churches today that do not preach what I'm preaching. There's a lot of churches that do not preach about a literal devil and a literal hell, literal sin and literal judgment. I'll be honest with you. In today's world, in this politically correct society, and my wife and I were talking about this, even some of the things that we watched on television a year ago has dramatically changed. And we're seeing the concepts of the world uh, being forced upon us and not only, listen, forced upon us, but coming to us in very subtle ways. And they're trying to get us used to sin and used to abominations. And you said, and there's not many pastors or preachers that are still preaching uh, on what thus saith the Lord God today. There's a lot of preachers or more than, than I would like to see that are just standing in the pulpits on Sunday just trying to make people feel good. But one of these days, what you're going to have to remember is this. As the old great hymn says, when we all get to heaven, there's coming a day when I've got to stand before God and give an account for every word that came out of my mouth at this pulpit. Because these words that are coming out of my mouth as they flow out of my heart, they're going into your mind, they're going into your heart, and you're latching hold of this. What we're talking about is either true or false. And I can assure you it's the truth. You have your word, you have your Bible in your lap, you can follow. That's why I like to give you so many verses because when I preach, you can follow along with me and see exactly what I'm talking about. And we should all thank God that he's given us a defensive array of armor that when our evil day comes, when Satan attacks us, that we have a means to stand against him, to resist what he's doing to us because it's very real. In Christ, we are surrounded by a mighty fortress of things that helps us to overcome uh, satanic strongholds when they come into our life. But just like anything else, if you have a good defense, now don't lose me here. If you have a good defense, you have to have a good offense. You know what defense is. You know what offense is. And if God has given us a great array of armor to use in a defensive way against Satan. Thank God he's given us a great means of armor that we can use offensively in our satanic attack and our evil day. And so I want you to learn this spiritual truth that in our evil day, when the devil comes against us, 
when he attacks us, when he fights us. We don't have to just stand still as Christians and let him whip the living daylights out of us. We don't have to just stand still and lick our wounds. We don't have to just stand still and let him do what he's going to do to us. We don't have to do that. According to the word of God, with the sword of the spirit, listen now, we can get on the offensive and we can put him on the run when he thinks he has us on the run. And sometimes he does. Sometimes when the devil in our evil day comes against us, the most easiest thing that a lot of people do is just run and just run and try to hide and, and get away from him. And what we find out is that he just has a field day in our life by chasing us around and afflicting us. Listen, we don't have to take that. According to the word of God, we have an offensive piece of armor that we can stand still and we can resist him as he comes against us. Now, wouldn't it be so much better in the day of adversity that you would use the resources that God has given to you to withstand all of these troubles and trials coming your way? You've got to learn how to use these resources. Everything we've talked about in this entire series, you've got to learn how to use it, to practice it. But this last one here now, listen carefully. I want you to learn today and according to the word of God in verse number 17, the Bible says that the sword of the spirit, which is an offensive, and I don't mean that to be uh, in a derogatory way, but it's an offense. It's, it's not defense, it's offense. You've got to learn today that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And that's, can I have a witness to that this morning? That's what the Bible says in Ephesians 6, 17. And the Word of God is the best offensive weapon against the devil that any child of God could ever have. Listen carefully. Let me remind you of something. We're talking about the Word of God. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Let me remind you of something about the word of God today. With God's word in the beginning, God spoke the world into existence. In the beginning, with God's word, he brought forth light. He brought forth creation. With God's word, he summoned Moses to the pinnacle of Mount Horeb. With God's word, he told Noah to build an ark. With God's word, he led prophets. With God's word, he sent the angel Gabriel to Mary and Joseph. With God's word, he raised Lazarus from the dead. And yet to come with God's word, he will signal the archangel to sound the trumpet and the dead in Christ will rise first and then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together and will meet the Lord in the air. And with God's word yet to come, he will defeat the antichrist and the devil. I'm telling you, there is omnipotence in the word of God. Never forget that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And I want to teach you a great spiritual truth this morning. Perhaps you've never thought about this. And maybe 
just maybe this morning, I can enlighten you, enlighten you with something. And it's not a new doctrine, by the way. It's not a new revelation. It's been here forever. It's always been. And if you miss this, you're going to miss the entire point of today's message. Those of you that are watching by internet today, listen, stop whatever you're doing and listen very carefully. And very rarely do I go this deep beneath the surface, but I have a wonderful reason before me to do it today, according to this verse. And I want you to listen carefully now. You have your pen and your paper out. There are two Greek words, and I use the word Greek words. Most of you know that the Old Testament in its origin was written in Hebrew. And the New Testament in its origin was written in Greek. None of you study Greek and Hebrew. Maybe one or two, but most of you don't. In order for me to preach the word of God correctly and to preach the word of God in context, there are times and occasions where it necessitates that I do go deeper in the word and get the Hebrew or get the Greek out of it. Now, this is where I'm going to lose some of you because most everybody in here today is not interested in the Hebrew and the Greek. But as a gospel preacher, anybody that preaches the gospel, listen very carefully, has to be responsible in, in taking the verses in context. Now, there are two Greek words which are translated in the scripture as the term word. You're going to lose me here if you don't stay with me. Let me give you an example. In the communion passage, and I use this typically from time to time just to give you a reminder of what the Bible's talking about. In, the, in Corinthians, the Bible says concerning communion, he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself. And that word damnation, we think we're all familiar with it. But anybody that preaches that if you take communion with sin in your life, that you would be damned to hell for eternity, then that person has taken the word of God out of context because that's not what it means. The word damnation in that scripture concerning communion does not mean that if you take communion unworthily that you will die and go to hell, but it means this, that if you take communion unworthily that God's judgment, God will judge you for that very seriously. And the word goes on to say that even in some cases many sleep or die. But it doesn't mean that a person will go to hell. So you have to remember that when you read the word of God, you've got to understand uh, some depth to what particular verses are talking about. And in this message today, because we're talking about the word, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, there are two Greek words for the word word. Now, are you confused? There are two Greek words for the word, word. Now, you've got to stay with me here. I understand that some of you may be gone and you're sleeping and you're daydreaming or whatever. Don't do that. This will be a blessing to you. The first Greek word for the word, word, is logos. And let me ask Justin to get that on the screen. L-O-G-O-S, logos. 
And I want you to remember this. And I want you to see how this word logos is used. Now, understand it's a Greek word, and you're not familiar with that. But I'm going to teach you a little Greek this morning. You have to get this. You have to understand. I want you to see how it's used. I want you to hold your place here, and I want you to turn with me to John 1.1. I want you to look at that scripture. John chapter 1 and verse number 1. Because in this passage of scripture, Jesus is referred to being the word. We're very familiar with this passage. Look at this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Keep that on the screen. I want to go back to that in just a minute. But this word, word, that Paul is talking about in Ephesians 6 is not the same connotation as the word word here that John uses. This word in this passage means one thing, but the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God in Ephesians chapter six means another thing. And you've got to get this. I'm going to explain it to you. This is why it's important to study the Bible. And especially for people who preach it, we have to know what we're talking about to give it to you. Now, in Ephesians chapter 6, go to that scripture again and look at this verse in verse number 17. Paul is using another Greek term. I told you there were two Greek words for the word word. One is logos. Now, this is very important. The second Greek word for the word Word. Now, I could even confuse myself if I don't stop and think about what I'm talking about. But the second Greek word for the word, word, in Ephesians chapter 6 is the word rima. And I want you to see this, R-H-E-M-A. And there's a big difference in the two words. A big difference in the word in John 1 and Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17 in, in John chapter 1, the word word means logos. And so, Justin, get that scripture back on the screen for me again. In John 1.1, 1, 1, I want you to see this. Let's go back to that. Because in this passage of scripture, this word means logos in the Greek, L-O-G-O-S. And so, listen, in the beginning was the word or logos. And the Logos was with God. And the Logos was God. Now, who is that? Jesus. In the beginning, Jesus, the word Logos. And the word Logos, Jesus, was with God. And the word Logos, Jesus, was God. So listen very carefully. I know this is deep, and I know that some of you are sitting there thinking, what is he talking about? Now, the word logos means Jesus. And the word rima means the sayings of Jesus or the sayings of God. That's critical. That's very important. Get this now. The rima of God or the sayings of God, which Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter 6, teaches us that God has wisdom for us through his word 
Whenever we're coming across our conflicts, our troubles, our despair, whatever. And Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17 is a perfect example of what I'm talking about here. I realize I'm deeper than ever the Sunday. I realize I'm losing some of you right now and it breaks my heart because I knew when I got to this particular message that some would just scratch their head and say, I have no clue what he's talking about. But I'm trying to be as elementary about it as I possibly can. In Romans chapter 10 verse 17, it's a perfect example. Look at this. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the rima of God. So remember, rima means the sayings of God. And it's the rima of God's word that helps us fight the devil. Please learn this very carefully. Listen, just because you have a Bible, you have access to a Bible, listen very carefully. This is not a lucky rabbit's foot that I carry around all day long. Listen, there are things that I do all day that, that I don't have the Bible in my hand. You don't walk around with a Bible in your hand all day. But if I did, listen very carefully, this Bible that I have in my hand is not a lucky rabbit's foot. Just because I walk around with a Bible in my hand, that does not mean that the devil's not going to fight me. Just because I have a Bible in my hand, that doesn't mean that the devil's going to stop and say, hey, we better not mess with him because he has a Bible in his hand. That's not how it works. And I want you to listen very carefully. This book never one time operates in automatic You have to understand that just for a moment. Like, for example, this book, and I won't be able to bend down to pick it up, but you pick it up for me in just a minute. This Bible laying right here, if it was my shelf at home, in my time of spiritual trouble, when the the adversary comes against me, and I'm sitting at home, and I'm, and I'm in spiritual conflict. I'm in a spiritual warfare. That Bible sitting on my shelf or on my coffee table or on my nightstand will not do me one ounce of good. Now, I want you to get this. Listen very carefully. On a shelf, it's not going to do anything. It's not going to win... Just because I've got a Bible on my shelf, it's not going to uh, win any spiritual battles for me. It's not going to win any spiritual conflicts for, with it sitting right there. That's not going to happen. Let me explain something to you. And this could be life-changing if you would allow it. Hand me that Bible if you will. In order for us to have spiritual victory over the devil, here's the thing that I want you to understand. We've got to remember that it is the Rema of the word, we've got to learn how to take the rema out of the word of God to fight the devil. That's what Paul's talking about, the sword of the spirit. It's the offensive weapon. Say, for example, that you are engaged in a time of spiritual warfare. I mean, the devil's coming at you from every angle. You feel like Job. You feel like you're on your last knot. You hardly can hang on. Your spirit is broken and your Bible is laying there on the coffee table on the nightstand or laying, God forbid, in the floorboard of your car and you look over at your Bible and all all of your distress, hand it to me again in a minute when I'm ready for it. You look at the Bible and all of your distress and you're broken and, and, you're, and you're having all of this conflict and you look at the Bible and you say, you know what? You need to get to work. You need to help me. You need to get busy here. I'm telling you this, that Bible 
on this platform or this Bible on your coffee table, this Bible on your refrigerator, this Bible on your nightstand like that. If you think for one minute that all you have to do is to nod at that Bible and say, listen, I don't have time to read that. My spirit's broken, but you do what you're supposed to do because it's the Bible. Listen, you're not going to win any battles. You're not going to win any victories in your life. You're not going to experience that. Hand me that Bible there. Listen very carefully. As you look over at your Bible and you nod to it, it's going to be bogus. It's not going to help you. You're saying, I'm under a spiritual attack and the devil is after me. The devil's after my family and I'm in trouble. And you just nod to the Bible and get to work. Do your stuff. Do what you're supposed to be doing. It's not going to help you in your time of conflict and trouble just sitting there still. Listen carefully. Just by simply giving your Bible a nod. The only thing that will happen in your day of conflict, if all you're doing is nodding at your Bible, listen very carefully, the devil will have a heyday with you and mop you up. We don't, listen, we don't win spiritual battles in our life just because we have a Bible. We don't win spiritual battles in our life just because we believe what's in this Bible. That's not how it works. If that's what we think, then the devil's going to laugh at us because here's the truth of the matter. The devil believes that there's a Bible. The devil believes that there is a word of God. And listen carefully. If that's all we do is just nod to our Bible in the day of conflict, the devil will invade our minds and he will captivate our spirits. Listen carefully. If we're going to win spiritual battles in our life, it's going to take more than having a Bible in our home. It's going to take more than knowing what's in the Bible. When we get into a spiritual conflict, it's not only important to grab the Bible or the sword of the spirit, but in order to defeat the devil, listen carefully, we have got to learn how to take the rima, the sayings of God, the sayings of Jesus. We've got to learn how to take the rima out of the word. So listen carefully this morning. Everything changes when we do that. So you have to learn how to get the rima out. And what do, you, what do you say, preacher? How do I get the rima out? Listen, you've got to learn how to quote some of this book. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. The word says, search the scriptures, study to show thyself approved. You've got to learn how to get the rima out. You've got to know what the word of God says. But more than that, listen now, you've got to quote the scripture. You've got to, you say, well, preacher, I'm too old for that. No, you're not. Don't let the devil fool you for one minute. You're not too old for that. We've got to have this sword of the spirit if we're going to offensively win spiritual battles. Number two, real quickly, what can the Rima do? Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. Let me read that scripture. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Look at that, underlined two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints of marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This is the kind of scripture that we can use that will put the devil on the run when he comes against us. The sword of men, listen carefully, can pierce the body, but the sword of the spirit can pierce the darkness. And think about it this way, when we constantly use an instrument 
Listen, you have a pair of scissors and you constantly use those scissors. At some point or another, those scissors are going to become dull. You have a pocket knife or a knife of some sort. You use it for all kinds of reasons. And after a good period of time, you keep using it. That knife is going to get dull. I want you to think about this. But when we constantly use the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, it gets continually sharper by the day. It never gets dull. The word of God says it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And this is the outcome of using the sword of the spirit. Now, again, a metal sword wounds to hurt, but the sword of the spirit penetrates to heal and deliver. It's one thing. Let me say this. Let me share with what I'm talking about. Have I lost anybody yet? All right, are you with me? Because listen, it's one thing For example, Brother David just lost his father. Brother Jonathan just lost his father. And let me say this. It's it's one thing for me to go to Brother David in a time of bereavement, pat him on his back. And the worst thing that I could say to him is, I know how you feel. Because I don't know how you feel, brother. I mean, I've preached funerals for 40 years, but I've never stood in front of the casket of my daddy. That day's coming unless Jesus comes first. You've had to stand before the casket of your father and your mother. I haven't had to do that. Is anybody else? You've had to bury parents. Listen, you, you, you know what he feels. But I cannot go over to him and say, pat him on the back and say, brother, I know how you feel. I don't know how he feels. Now, it would be wrong for me to do that. And it would be wrong for me to say, walk up to him and say, well, brother, this is something that everybody goes through. You know, I hope that uh, you get over this in a reasonable amount of time. That's, that's terrible. But what I can do is I can take the sword of the spirit and I can open it up and I can pull the rema out of the scripture. And this is what I can say to you, brother. I can say this, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. I can take the rema out of the word and share it with a broken heart. Or what about somebody that's going through a broken home? I can pull the rema out of God's word and say this in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Or how about when somebody is overwhelmed by what's going on in the world? Last night when I was doing some study, I realized in my study, I read an article that in Japan, there have been more people in Japan since the coronavirus came out that have committed suicide in Japan than have died by COVID-19 in Japan. Can you think about that? Can you think about people that are overcome and overwhelmed by what we're going through? But when a person is overwhelmed by what's going on in the world, I can go to the sword of the spirit. I can open it up and I can take the sayings of God the sayings of Jesus, I can take the rema out of the word and say, these things have I spoken unto you in John 16, 33, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Or how about when the devil comes and attacks our church? I can go to the sword of the spirit. I can open the word of God. I can take the sayings of God. I can take the the words of Jesus out. I can take the rema out and say this in Matthew 16, 18, And I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall 
not prevail against it. Or what about this? What about a time that you know that somebody needs to be saved? You know that they're lost, but they're ready. The Holy Spirit has opened their eyes. They're ready to trust the Lord as their personal Savior. Listen, you can't walk up to a person and say, be thou saved. You can't walk up to a person and shove a Bible in his face and say, listen, I hope you figure it out that God has a wonderful plan of salvation. But when a person wants to be saved and born again, you can open the word of God, the sword of the spirit, and you can take the rema, the sayings of God, the sayings of Jesus. You can take the rema out and say this to a person that needs to be born again for whosoever in Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. You think about that just for a moment. How about a person going out in sin? You know their life is shipwrecked. Listen, you don't throw a Bible at them and say, hey, that's the word of God. That's the sword of spirit. Figure it out. Listen, if you read it, you'll get on the right path. Listen, if a person you know is going out in sin, you can take the sword of the spirit, the word of God, and they're saying, I'm broken about it. I want to come back. Can I be restored? Absolutely. You can take the sword of the spirit and draw the sayings of God, the words of God. You can take the rema out and say, If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you in all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. Can I have a witness? When somebody feels alone, they feel rejected. They feel dejected. You don't go to them and say, listen, tomorrow will be a better day. You can go to the sword of the spirit and you can find Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And so listen, the effect of the rema is spiritual medicine. Have you ever sat through a sermon and felt like, man, that That preacher's preaching straight to me. I cannot tell you how many times that when we were able to go into the lobby after the service and we would dismiss and I would stand at the door and shake hands with people on the way out. I cannot tell you over 40 years how many people have come through the line to shake my hand on the way out and said, preacher, I felt like you preaching straight to me today. Or Or preacher, that message was just for me today. Well, I can assure you, I never sat down and, and, and work sermons up because of certain things or certain people. I'd never do that. But it's amazing how different lives we live. When I sit back and think about this, if you have ever felt like that that sermon was just for you, Or if you've ever felt like, preacher, you were preaching straight to me, then this is what I want you to know, that the Holy Spirit was taking the rema out of the word and working on your behalf just for you. But think about all the other people we have in here and that are watching by internet. We have all so many different circumstances. The word of God, the sword of the spirit, when it's preached as it goes forth, the Holy Ghost of heaven can take the rema out of the sword of the spirit, the sayings of God, the sayings of Jesus, and he can apply it to this congregation. He can apply it to the internet from Maine to California. And I'm gonna tell you this, somebody could get a totally different message than this person over here because it's the Holy Spirit moving in a way that it fits us all. 
Number three, real quickly. Man, I don't know. I, I'm doing the best I can to get through this. I don't know how in the world I'm going to do this one. I'm going to try. Are you with me? Can you hang with me just for a little bit? Number three, I want you to see this. This will bless your heart. That's why I said you at home, pay attention. Make sure your neighbor's awake. Pay attention. Listen now. You'll miss everything if you miss this. Number three, even, even the logos use the Rima. In the beginning was the word, the Logos, and the word, the Logos, Jesus was with God, and the Logos, the word, was with God. Even the Logos used the Rima. I want you to see this in Matthew 4, and I want to read verse 1 through 11. I'm going to try to do it as fast as I can. Then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. I'm telling you, if he wanted to, he could have turned them in Kentucky fried chicken if he had wanted to do that. But listen to this. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into a holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down for it is written and it wasn't right. He quoted the scripture wrong. He knows the scripture, but he quoted it wrong. Listen now, he said, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Jesus said unto him, it is written again. Look at that. Underline the word. It is written. It is written. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and saith unto them, all these things will I give thee as I will fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, get thee hence Satan, for it is written, underline that, it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, notice that, and behold angels came and ministered unto him. Here we find the story of the temptation of Jesus. And in the story, Jesus was engaged in spiritual warfare. And these temptations took place in the wilderness right after Jesus was baptized in the river Jordan. And by the way, that's how it usually happens. It happened to Jesus that way. And let me assure you of something. Whenever there is a spiritual significance in your life, you reach a pinnacle of something. God has answered a prayer. Your heart is overwhelming with joy. It's that moment. You be on the lookout because it's then and there that the devil will come at you with a spiritual attack. Listen, Jesus had just been baptized in the Jordan. Now he's up in the wilderness. He's fasting. And here's when the devil comes to him. So listen very carefully. The devil will come at us in some type of an aggressive and paralyzing way after we've been on a mountaintop. He, he does that to try to knock the wind out of our sail. Each temptation of Jesus involved the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And in Matthew chapter, look at this, in verse 5, the, the Bible says that Jesus went straight to the source of the conflict. It was indeed the devil. So keep in mind, when Jesus, the Logos, understand this, was faced with temptation. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus is the Logos. When Jesus, the Logos, was faced with temptation, the Logos used the Rima. 
The word, in the beginning was the word, logos, Jesus. The word, you see how it's now used two different ways in the Greek. The Greek word logos, the Greek word rima. Logos meaning Jesus, rima meaning the sayings of God, the sayings of Jesus. Here we see the logos using the rima. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Jesus, the logo, reached down into his sheath and pulled out the rima. Look at Matthew 4, 7. Jesus, the logo, saith unto him, the rima, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16, let him get it on the screen. I don't want to lose you. Don't close your Bible. Don't be daydreaming. Get this now. Deuteronomy 6, 16. Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted him and Messiah. Look at this. Don't let this slip you by. When Jesus, the Logos, and look what happened here. Go back to Matthew 4, 11, Justin. Get it on the screen. The devil leaveth him. When the Logos... The word went down into the sheath and pulled out the rima. It is written. It is written. When Jesus, the logos, reached to the rima, it is written. Notice what happened. The word says, then the devil leaveth him. You see that? Behold, angels came and ministered. And the same thing will happen to you. When the devil comes to invade your spirit, to invade your home, listen, you're not going to have an opportunity to say him when he comes your way. Hey, stop this for a minute and let's pick this up tomorrow. I'm busy. I don't have time to deal with you. That's not how it works. You're not going to have time to say to the devil, hey, let's put this thing on hold for another day. I don't feel well today. You won't have time to say, hey, listen, I'm going to call a time out here. I'm not ready for this right now. You're not going to have time to run to your strong concordance. Most of the time, our battles come when we do not have a Bible in our hand. We do not have gospel tracts in our pockets. That's why when you have a spiritual attack, you've got to know You've got to know the Rima. You've got to go to the sword of the spirit. You've got to know the Rima. Psalms 119.11, that word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. I'm telling you this, friend, listen carefully. It's not enough just to have a Bible. It's not enough just to believe what's in the Bible. You have to know what's in this Bible and you have to know how to pull the word of God out. If the devil is coming at you today and all forces. There is one verse. There is one Rima that I want you to learn. Everybody in here can learn it. You're capable of doing that. Philippians chapter four, verse number 13. Everybody should know that when the devil comes to you and you're at a weak point in your life and things are going south and you don't have a clue how to fix it. Listen, you can just rear back with the sword of the spirit and you can look the devil straight in the eye and you can say this. Listen, you've come at me at a weak time. You've come at me at a low point, but I'm telling you right now, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. All of you can learn that. Take some Rima out of the word. The logos, the word, Jesus, pulled the word. He pulled the Rima and he used it 
to defeat the devil. And when he did, the Bible says the devil left him alone. I realize I'm over time. And I realize this is just a little bit lower beneath the surface than we normally go. But I pray I would leave here with a broken heart if I thought for one minute that nobody got it or half the people missed it. The logos, the word, Jesus has given to us through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the sayings of God, the words of God, the words of Jesus, the sayings of Jesus. He's given us the sword of the Spirit. And there are times in our life where we're going to be using the other pieces of armor to defend ourselves. But then there are times when we reach down for that sword and we pull that ream out instead of the devil having us on the run we can resist him and the word says he will flee from us you listen to pastor tony kahoot for more information visit our website at bufordroadbaptistchurch.com